we understand that there's a sense in which what we're doing is niche from a sports business standpoint, but we're also really starting to cover more macro trends. You know, we're explaining the metaverse to people. We're explaining the opportunities and what people are doing in the NFT space. We're explaining what college athletes and college teams are looking for and trying to get done in the NIL space. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports every week. I'm Tom Richardson, one of the hosts. I'm usually joined by my co-host, Joe Favorito, but he is actually off doing some business today, so I'm going to do this one solo. We've got a really interesting show today. Many of you have probably heard about the incredibly impressive business ventures that Kevin Durant has gotten into over the last few years. There's been more and more notoriety brought to this through some of the popular stuff he's been doing in the entertainment world in terms of film and television production, but also what he's done in the podcasting world, what they're doing in the sports business and media world, what he's doing in the investment community is extremely impressive. And that business is all under the banner of 35 Ventures, which is a a business he built with his partner, Rich Kleiman. Two years ago, I think maybe four or five years ago, they got their, I believe their first chief marketing officer. And that person with a very cool job is Sarah Flynn, who joins us today in the show. Well, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, really, really great to have you. And there's tons to talk about. Let's start with um, a little bit on your, your background. Tell your, uh, briefly your career story to introduce yourself to everybody listening. Yeah, so I started my career actually in the music industry. Um, you know, I, I kind of came up in the entertainment industry at a very interesting time where digital music was still very nascent. It was new, um, you know, the trajectory from CDs into downloads into music streaming went so much faster, I think, than anybody could have anticipated. I don't think we, we think enough about how media in and of itself has changed in the last 20 years, but I got to be a huge part of that change. And, and because of that, you know, I was really early in the space of digital music. I understood sort of the sales strategy. I understood things like metadata um, and, and, and was able to really carve out a space for myself in various record labels and, and in various roles because, you know, I understood how to market those things. I understood sort of all of the new properties that were coming up as they came up. There was a period of time where Walmart had a digital music store, Hot Topic had a digital music store, MTV had a digital music store. There were a lot of competitors in the space trying to do a lot of things. Ringtones were a huge thing for a while. So just kind of like A, riding this wave and starting to understand how digital marketing could impact the careers of artists um, and and seeing digital marketing and social media as a huge part of that as well, go from being that, oh, well, the intern does that, we don't really understand it, to being the largest part of every company's business um, was something that was really incredible to me. So I sort of kind of made my way through the music industry um, until I landed at Rock Nation in 2013. Um, uh, you know, I was project managing a bunch of artists at the time on the digital side. I was really excited to join the company because they had, you know, so much work that they were doing with brands. And it felt for me like an opportunity to branch outside of the music industry and do some more interesting things because I sort of felt like I'd reached a ceiling. Um, as it happened, about a month after I started at that company, they launched Rock Nation Sports. Um, so it turned out that I was correct in that I was going to be able to branch out my career 
career, but it was in a direction that I never would have anticipated. Um, you know, I started working with some athletes on the digital side in the same manner that I had been artists. And by the time I left Rock, um, I was running sports marketing there. Um, went to go run marketing at the Players Tribune for a little while. While I was over there, I had gotten to know Rich Kleinman and Kevin Durant very well at Rock Nation. So, you know, I've been in business with those guys in one capacity or another for about a decade. Um, and, and they were sort of starting to form the seeds of what would become 35 Ventures um, early seven, 2017, late 2016, when I was at the Players Tribune. And at some point, Rich called me and he said, you know, do you want to come over? Or do you want to be our GM? And that kind of started my journey with 35 Ventures, where we got to kind of build all of this from the ground up. And here, here we are today. Wow. That's an incredible story. I got to go back to the music biz for a mm -hmm. minute. <laughs> because uh, like, like you, I, I did not work in the music business. I was in sports at the time, but I followed this really close. I'm a big music fan. I remember getting the initial iPod. I think that was 2001. But previously, and this is one of the questions I want to ask you, mm -hmm. were you one of those people like me who was checking out Napster and LimeWire and stuff oh, like sure. that? Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I had a sense of that, yeah. Because uh, I remember when I first discovered the, the miracle that was, I used to use LimeWire where I could get song files. Mm -hmm. I, I thought I hit the jackpot, probably like a lot of music fans. Um, and I wasn't as sensitive to, I don't think most of us were, the issues around digital rights, uh, mm -hmm. uh, digital management, you know, rights management, things like that. I was just so happy to get some free digital downloads. Um, it was worth, worth the effort. But then once the iPod came out, and once kind of was organized very well, I thought, by Apple, it was funny to think about the ones you mentioned, by the way, all those other you know, download services. Uh, I think most of us switched over, but it was a really interesting transition. And I just wanted to put a, a, a bookend on that by telling you, I just read the other day, coincidentally, that LPs actually are, are the best, we're gonna, are going to be the best selling physical music items of 2021, which yep. is really funny because you didn't when you talked about your history as you may recall you didn't even mention lps yeah. you talked you started the senior yeah. which shows the difference in age with the two of us totally i mean to be fair i have i have unfortunately been involved in a lot of vinyl production in my time and i think i prefer to forget it because um it is it takes a long time to manufacture it's it's very tricky and it's very difficult and actually one of the interesting things that i think independent artists are having issues with this year in particular with supply chain issues with everything else going on is that because vinyl has become en vogue again the larger artists are literally taking all of the supplies and all of the manufacturing timelines at the few pressing plants that there are so indie artists are actually not able to press their records yeah that's an interesting angle there um so what did you learn from those years in the music business that you were able to pivot it into sports? Mm -hmm. What were you able to take away and start using in, in your sports work? A ton for sure. I mean, you learn so much about consumer behavior, about direct to consumer marketing, about the do's and don'ts of social media, which again, I think, you know, now that we're in the present, everybody kind of understands the social media landscape and how those things go. But, you know, at the time I started working with athletes, like there were still do's and don'ts and, and things to sort of warn them about brand relationships with social media were still fairly new. So a lot of that institutional knowledge that I had really came in handy. And just like, you know, like 
you can transfer to any industry in the universe, but like understanding consumer marketing and like what fans care about and what fans want to see is kind of universal. Like once you kind of understand an audience, you can understand how to approach that audience. And I think that was something that served me very well. Yeah, that's great. And it, it reminds me of a quote that I picked up from you from one of your recent interviews on that very topic. So as I mentioned in the opening to everybody listening, one of the uh, three main businesses of 35 Ventures is Boardroom. I guess it's boardroom.tv. That's technically mm -hmm. the URL. But it's a, uh, in fact, let me just actually read the description. A multimedia sports business platform with newsletters, podcasts, premium video, writing, and news. And I encourage everybody to check it out, boardroom.tv. There's a lot on there. And it's really interesting. And you made a comment as you were setting it up that it was only a concept just two years ago. Mm -hmm. And now it's a reality. But you said, quote, we were careful how we built it as a network. And we did a lot of testing to ensure that we understood its audience and what the audience wanted to read, watch, and hear. So talk about that testing, because I think conceptually everybody gets that. We need to understand our audience, et cetera. But what did that look like when you actually took the concept and started building the plan? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, like one of the things I think that's always been great about working with Rich and Kevin is that they're very self-aware um, and they're very curious people. So when they get into room, like especially when they first started out in the investment space, sort of peeling back the layers, asking the right questions, they were always excited to be in the room with really smart people who could teach them new things. Um, and I don't think they've ever taken that for granted. They've never taken that access for granted. But at a certain point, we all started looking around and being like, it's really cool, the conversations that we're having. We can pick up the phone and call people and find out what exactly goes into buying a team, what it looks like. We understand the behind the scenes of how a team runs and why a team is doing league and brand deals and those kinds of things. We understand what makes certain executives tick. We understand trends in the industry before they're starting to happen based on the conversations that we're having. On the investment side, we're able to get so many insights into so many different things. And at a certain point, there became this appetite to, to give that access to other people. What would that look like? Um, it started out with the concept for a, a show that we did two seasons of on ESPN Plus. And even as we were making season one of that show, we knew that it could have more legs, but we really wanted to make sure that one, building a media network around this concept and sports business was something that we were super invested in and that we wanted to continue to do. And two, that there really was the audience that we thought that there was for it. Um, so we spent a lot of time building out our social channels, starting to experiment with just, you know, one-on-one -on -one sit down interviews with athletes and executives we admired, peeling back those layers on, you know, athletes have so many side businesses nowadays that it's, it's become common. Athletes are entrepreneurs and they're also driving um, business trends in a lot of ways. And, and starting to have conversations about that and seeing what resonated with people on social, seeing what people were watching on YouTube, seeing the feedback that we were getting, not just from fans, but from our peers in the industry, kind of helped shape the verticals that we went after and the, and the kinds of things that we've been talking about moving forward. Um, a huge step in that was again, launching both Rich and Kevin's podcast, as well as launching our newsletter business, which you know is really, designed to give people in the industry and people who care about the industry like a real snapshot of what's going on at any given moment um and then you know our editorial strategy from a written perspective was what came last because again we wanted to make sure that if we were going to do a ton of storytelling around this we had the audience for it before we started really hiring a full team 
um, which we've been able to do kind of over the last year. So it's really only over the last sort of nine to 12 months um, that, that we've really doubled down and built out the network in, in this way, but without some of that kind of tiptoeing and with our smaller team and like really understanding from an executive standpoint, what our creative voice was, I don't think we'd have gotten to where we are as quickly as we did. That's, that's interesting. And, and as you moved from concept into development and execution, and now you've got a little bit of history with both uh, with, mm -hmm. with the various ventures you've got in boardroom, are you seeing the results in terms of the metrics that you were hoping for? Yes, we're seeing really incredible growth. Um, you know, I think our website traffic is increasing in double digits month over month at this point. Um, you know, we understand that there's a sense in which what we're doing is niche. Um, from a sports business standpoint, but we're also really starting to cover more macro trends. You know, we're explaining the metaverse to people. We're explaining the opportunities and what people are doing in the NFT space. We're explaining what college athletes and college teams are looking for and trying to get done in the NIL space as well. Um, and those are things that I think people far outside of the sports business are eager to, to get a hand on and, and, and get a hold of. And, and I think we're reporting on them in a way that nobody else is. Yeah, that's great. And, and, and by the way, the podcast um, that everybody should check out, I think the two main ones that you do right now are, are uh, the Out of Office podcast with Rich, mm -hmm. and then the one that uh, Kevin does with Eddie Gonzalez, yep, the which is really fun. And I'll give a plug for that. I've listened to both of them. Uh, but the latest episode, by the way, is uh, with Charles Barkley, who is almost always entertaining hundred uh, percent. The conversation is just as you would expect it to be. And one thing that I think is really great about podcasts, and I see you guys kind of follow this approach, is unlike television appearances, which are always very short and fast, obviously they're timed based on commercial interruptions and things like that. You can go deep on these podcasts mm -hmm. and it's okay if there are 50 minutes or an hour or even an hour and a half. As you know, people like Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, others, are known to do really long podcasts or Howard Stern, something like that. So it seems like you've you've taken um, taken kind of best practices that you might have seen in other parts of the media world to apply it to what uh, you're doing. And anyway, I also want to mention the second podcast, which is uh, well, I said the et cetera's. Uh, I believe that's the one with Kevin mm -hmm. and Eddie uh, out of the office. Do you want to mention anything specific on the video side or other content forms that that I haven't referred to yet? Yeah, absolutely. On the video side, you know, we do a lot of really incredible short form content. And I think we balance that really well with our written editorial too. Um, you know, there's a series that we do called Brick by Brick, which is really talking to athletes about how they've built their side businesses um, and what they're really trying to focus on. You know, we've done we've done some great content with Kyle Kuzma, um, with Des Bryant. Um, we've got some great stuff coming up in, in the pipeline. Um, and, and I think that's just an area for us where, again, like it gives athletes an opportunity to talk about the thing that they're passionate about and fully talk about the thing that they're passionate about and the business that they're trying to build versus going on another sports platform and answering 10 questions about basketball or 10 questions about football and getting like one, okay, mention this thing you're trying to promote. Um, so it's become like a really cool, friendly, safe space for athletes to talk about that stuff, but it's stuff that fans are really interested in as well because they really wanna see what people are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and we just do like really great interview content as well. Um, you know, I think we try to be really topical, really timely. We do a lot of in the, in the sneaker and fashion world as well. Um, and then I think the other thing that I would love to mention is, you know, we've got, as I mentioned, three newsletters, 
Um, Monday through Friday, you can get our headline to go newsletter, which is literally like your playbook for the day. Everything that happened in the sports business overnight while you were sleeping. Also the important scores from the games the night before so that you can just like get a quick snapshot of what's going on in the space and also linking back out to longer form editorial where you want more information. And then on Saturday, we, we put out our breakers newsletter, which is covering everything in crypto, in cannabis, in NIL, like all of those kind of emerging markets that people are desperate to know more about and are kind of having FOMO on. And then Sunday is a, a, a really insightful recap of kind of everything that's gone on that past week in the larger sports business. Very impressive the way you've built this. I mean, it sounds like you put a lot of time into how you develop the strategy. We really have. And we really have such an incredible um, and talented team here as well. Yeah. How much, can, can, can I ask how many people are working on boardroom at this point? Yeah. Yeah, you sure can. I mean, the, the number keeps inching up. Um, I think we're at about 20 full-time employees for boardroom wow. and then a handful of freelancers on both the written editorial um, and the video side. Yeah. I think we've seen a trend over the last 10 eight or 10 years, I would say in media, I'm sure you've observed something similar or, or maybe you've had the same thought that everybody can talk a good game about doing media. Like I want to mm-hmm. start a media business, but as I like to say, it's a hungry beast that needs to be fed Yeah, and you need resources. And the thing I've seen as a problem in the marketplace as a consultant and uh, uh, s- someone who's talked to a lot of companies is um they just don't put the resources against it to do what you need to do to actually yeah. make it make it work. Cause there needs to be a rhythm. There needs to be a plan. And I know people that have started podcasts and after a few months, they're, they're kind of like mm-hmm. asking themselves, Oh my God, this is a lot of work. We totally. it never ends. I said, yeah, it never ends. It's called media. <laughs> That's, uh, and, and if you want to do, do a book, but if you want to do media, you kind of got to jump in and you have to have the resources to do it. So it sounds like that was a really important part of your consideration as you started to build this, making sure you had the right resourcing. 1000%. And making sure that we, 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 you know, pulled trigger on those resources at the right times. Right. Um, You know, we didn't, we didn't want to on day one, hire 20 people, try to figure out how to make them all work together, try to figure out how to scale and try to solve a million problems at once. Like we had to hire those people strategically at the right times so that, we could ensure that we had a really solid functioning team, that we were addressing any knowledge gaps that we needed, and that from a cultural perspective, everybody was able to work together in the right ways. Yeah. One of the books we read in my digital media class is Growth Hacker Marketing, and we talk about this idea of iterating on the product and letting Mm -hmm. the users be the best marketers for the product. I assume you're bringing in that both sensibility and practice. So for example, as you look at the metrics, everything's measurable in Mm -hmm. what you're doing, if you're seeing things that are working in one area, uh, dial up maybe, and yep. things that are not working in other areas, dial down. And to me, what's interesting now is the, the companies that are doing like yours, multimedia, so audio, video, uh, writing, it's a tough call sometimes with how you deploy the resources yeah. that you have. Because the temptation, I think, is especially in the world of, uh, of easy production, with audio and video these days, hey, just let the person talk mm-hmm. and we'll have a podcast. And I think what we've all learned as listeners is that just because you're famous or just because you're successful doesn't mean you're a good podcaster no. <laughs> uh, or you're good in front of a camera or whatever. Um, so no, that so that's really awesome. Related to that is the one of the other uh, pillars of the 35 Ventures business, 
which is your TV and, TV and movie production work. I, I trust you're involved with that as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So can you talk about that? Because you've had some notable successes mm-hmm. the last couple of years, and, and maybe some viewers don't even know that 35 Ventures was involved, but um, the Basketball County, Two Distant Strangers, Swagger, which I actually know about because I've watched it on Apple TV Plus. Uh, well done. Um, but so talk about that. Talk about how you conceive of, again, in the spirit of how you deploy your, your assets and resources, mm-hmm. how do you decide to do a specific project? What, do you, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Um, and part of the reason why TV and film is the smallest piece of our business is extremely intentional. Um, you know, we have a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of focus being spent elsewhere. And we don't ever want to, um, for lack of a more sophisticated phrase, half-ass anything. Um, so if we're going to put our time and our energy and our money into building a project, um, we want it to be right. Um, so, you know, at this point, we're doing one to two projects a year. You could have a year in the future where there's nothing from us on the TV and film side. It's very much about sort of, you know, does this resonate with us in the right ways? Um, why are we involved? Can we bring like, can we bring this to the table in the right ways? Like, you know, we, there has to be a reason for us to to do something. Uh, Obviously sports is at the heart of everything that we do. We are huge sports fans. We love telling sports stories. So that's really where that lens is mostly shown. Um, But as you mentioned, you know, so we, Kevin and Rich are executive producers on Two Distant Strangers, this short film that came out earlier this year on Netflix. Um, It won an Oscar, which is super, super exciting. Um, you know, Joey Badass stars in it. He's phenomenal. Um, Trevon Free, the main writer on the project, incredible. Um, that came to us in script form and in a, you know what, we need, we need names backing this and we need, we need some financial support to get this made. Um, and the script was super powerful. You could really understand how it would come to light. Joey, I think at the time was was already being attached to the project and we're, we're good friends and fans of Joey and we just knew that it would succeed. So that was something that we were really help, happy to support, something that we knew we could help on a marketing angle um, and that really worked out. With a project like Swagger, um, which has been in development for a number of years before it came out and again, you know, I think was... <sighs> Filming at a very interesting time in the universe um, because we had the full pandemic experience on that one. Um, That is something that came from Kevin. Um, You know, it's based on his experiences playing AAU basketball. Um, You know, Kevin and Rich, you know, brought it to Brian Grazer at Imagine and and Brian and his team at Imagine really helped to develop it and, and, and to bring it to Apple and to bring it to life. Yeah. Wow. That really, really awesome. So related to that, you probably get a combination of, well, I, I assume when we think about inbounds and outbounds in terms of new ideas, new opportunities, you probably get a ton of inbounds because of the profile mm-hmm. of KD and Rich and yourself. And you, but there's other things that you are, I, I assume, strategically wanting to build uh, that, mm-hmm. that maybe emanate from, from your own business plans and things like that. Let's talk about the first category. What do you look for when you get a pitch? Because again, you, you probably have so many ways that inbounds are going to come mm-hmm. to you guys. What, what do you? What's your vetting system if you have a system? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest number of inbounds we get is definitely on the investment side. 
because um, there's so many voices in the mix there. Um, we do get a lot of, you know, despite the fact that we do a few projects, we get a lot of TV and film pitches. We get a lot of, we just want Kevin to be involved in this thing, or I've got a brand deal for Kevin, you know, we kind of, we kind of get it from all sides. Right. I think, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is, you know, the, the, the starting vetting point for me, at least is sort of how did this person find me and how did this person come to me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, are they through someone that I trust? Right. Like, what is that like? Like a certain like? level of credibility just to Exactly, begin. exactly. And I think that's really, really important. Like, I think it's really hard to cold email or cold call anybody and, and get through just because like, you know, if you, if you don't know somebody who knows me that can vouch for you, mm-hmm we know a lot of people, like, I'm not sure where you came, you know what I mean? Yeah, so there's, I know, exactly. there's, yeah. there's a little bit of that filter. And we're lucky to have a lot of trusted people who send really great opportunities our way. And then it's, you know, it's having, if, if, if it makes it to the step of having the initial conversation, it's, it's, a, it's about, you know, um, if it's a filmmaker or a director or a, a, a founder of a company or somebody that wants to work with us, it's kind of about who that person is. Um, you know, what are they trying to sell us? What is their vision? Who are they like as a person? Um, do we feel like they have the right drive and the right passion? And like, if we feel like a founder is really compelling and 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 they've got a story that we're interested in hearing more about, that helps open the door for the rest of it. And then we really look at the business opportunity and we look at the financials and we look at, is this right for us and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah. So you'll look at the um, investment pitches as well, in addition to the media related pitches. Yeah. I mean, our CEO, Rachel Flytel, leads that portion of the business primarily. Um, but, you know, where my experience is relevant, I'll take a look at things. They're coming to me sometimes regardless. So we're passing things back and forth. Um, but again, like, you know, there's there's certain aspects of, you know, like if it's a media thing or it's a social media company or, or an app or something like that, like I'm probably taking a look at it at some point as well. Um, a couple of those investments include equity partnerships I read about. Um, I'm aware of just women's sports, which is one of them. And the other one, which I was not aware of is master and dynamic, mm-hmm. which, uh, seems to be an audio, uh, mm-hmm. or is, I should say is an audio business with headphones, speakers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about those two and, and what is the impetus to go beyond just, um, a more passive investment involvement to an actual more formal equity partnership where they're, uh, kind of separate, separated from the rest of the crowd. Yeah. And Master Dynamic was a partnership that we formed a few years ago um, that was really like one, they make really premium product that we were really compelled by. Um, and, and two, we were sort of transitioning out of this idea of Kevin kind of having an endorsement deal in the headphone space. Like how could we do something more meaningful and have an ownership stake in something? And that was an opportunity that really presented us at the right time and a product that we really believed in. Um, Just Women's Sports, you know, like on, on, on paper, to be perfectly honest, is an investment. It is it is a straightforward investment, but at the same time, we made a significant investment in the company. That's a great example of a founder who is just an incredible person. Haley Rosen is amazing. Um, but we knew that from a strategic standpoint, we can be really helpful here because they are building a media business from scratch. They are trying to do a number of different things that we've spent the last couple of years doing. Um, I can be as constructive and as hands-on about things like, okay, here's what you guys probably aren't thinking about in your hiring roadmap. 
here's some stuff that you need to look at on the odd dev side. Here's what worked for us. Here are some challenges that I had. You know, it's very linear in terms of the insights that we're able to offer there. So that was definitely a place where we were like, you know, we can, and, and, and again, like we sort of see them in some ways as a sister platform to what Boardroom is doing a lot of times as well. We're sharing content all of the time because from a women's sports standpoint, they're covering everything that's happening on the court, on the field, game insights, scores and things like that. And we're covering the business. So there's a ton of content that we're able to share and amplify for each other as well. Yeah, and it seems like the timing is right for that too, mm-hmm. with with the um, really nicely growing interest in women's soccer in the U.S. and certainly women's basketball with the success mm-hmm. of WNBA. It's really good to see. So now that that's awesome, um, let's talk a little bit about where this all may go. So, you, so you mentioned the M word earlier, uh, the metaverse, <laughs> and something we talk about in my class, Web three. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I like to, and this has come up a lot in this podcast, <laughs> things are changing so rapidly. Web3 is upon us. We've got non-fungible tokens. We've got blockchain tech that's growing quickly, the cryptocurrency craze, DeFi, blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of buzzwords, but it's real. It's not, as I like to say, it's not going back in, in the toothpaste is not going back in the tube. This is going to be our new media and digital world. How focused for you on what I call more forward-looking stuff versus just getting your work done day-to-day, quarter-to-quarter. And and let's talk about maybe what you're thinking about where things could go a few years from now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great question, um, and it's one that we try to be very careful about. Um, I think the impetus to dive too quickly into something like the metaverse and try to do six different things because they seem sexy on paper but don't work out in real life is a challenge that a lot of brands have. Um, It's really interesting for me and it makes me feel extremely old to be having conversations about things like this and having people be like, you know, the the concert that Travis Scott did in Fortnite and here's what's happening in Roblox and here are all these things that are happening in real time. When I remember sitting around in 2007 and 2008 and working with bands, putting on concerts in Second Life. So I've been here before. Um, And the toothpaste did get put back in the tube for a number of years. Um, So it's very surreal to me um, to sort of kind of be immersed in a lot of the same conversations that I was having at that point in my career. Um, It's extremely helpful from a cautious optimism standpoint to have that framework. Um, And for us, again, as investors and business people, it makes us stronger to know what people are doing in the VC space, to know what startups are trying to do things and have that additional context in addition to like what the Facebooks and the Microsofts are doing of the world, where it sort of feels like what a lot of the larger companies are trying to do is just trying to reinvent meetings. Yeah. Um, So... (laughs) I think we're really bullish on the idea of the metaverse. We're really bullish on crypto uh, currency and NFTs in that space as well. But I think the ways in which you see that play out for us will be very measured while on the boardroom side, we're covering all of it and examining what's working and not working. Yeah. And also, the, I, I know it's public knowledge that you guys are investors in Dapper, uh, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the darlings of the business uh, right now. And watching what's happened with MBA uh, Top Shot. Something else that I've, I've personally gotten into is really quite interesting. I can't wait to see where it goes because right now it just seems very rudimentary in terms of what the actual content mm-hmm. is. Um, 
and we, we know it's early days, but it just feels like, I mean, when you said you felt old in 2007, thinking about your, your digital plans, uh, I was at the NFL in the 1990s when there wasn't an internet and we had to figure out what to do right. when there's a commercial internet with, oh, we need to get NFL.com, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but what, what I, the sense I have now, Sarah, is that this is all coming a little bit faster, like with each successive phase, mm-hmm. it comes faster, partly because of the actual technology improvements. So for example, everyone expects 2022 to be a big year in AR because mm-hmm. of what Apple is doing and Snap and Google, uh, Facebook, or Meta. Now, what that what that means for the sports business or the sports media business is still, I think, to be determined. But mm-hmm. I find it interesting now that people in digital roles or digital slash marketing roles really have this incredible challenge, which always existed, but I think it's more pronounced now, where you have to balance what you need to do this week, next week, next month, mm-hmm. next quarter versus setting yourselves up yeah. for the moves you need to make for long-term success mm-hmm. because the, the consumer marketplace is incredibly fickle as we've yeah. seen uh, and, and seems to be getting more fickle as these different, uh, as this fragmentation continues. Anyway, um, that said, I'm curious about um, Rich and Kevin's point of view, if you can share it about all this, because it feels like there's uh, on the one hand, there's so much hype and some people are just kind of laughing it off. On the other hand, there are serious investments being made right now and a recognition that there's money to be made. So mm-hmm. do, do you have kind of a more um, a, a broader 35 ventures point of view about about where it's going? Um, I think so. Um, you know, and I'm always reticent to sort of speak for Rich and Kevin personally, right. but, you know, I think investing in new platforms and new opportunities has, has always been something that we've done. You know, you mentioned the Dapper investment. We were investors in Coinbase back in 2017. Um, you know, Whoop from a sort of right. wearable technology standpoint, I think around that same time in 2017. Um, I, I think we I think we have a really good read on sort of where the market is going and where the opportunities lie to a large mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we're also kind of cautious about how we approach it and and the ways in which we approach it. But as those things start to scale and pick up speed, we're able to maximize them in really interesting ways. You know, I think using Dapper as the example, first we invested in Dapper. Then we were first to market from a media standpoint in terms of covering what Dapper was doing and covering what their peers were doing in the space and talking about the NFT world hand in hand with what was going on with trading cards and collectibles at, at that moment in time. And then working with Dapper on forming a larger partnership where they are a sponsor of Boardroom, where we're doing more work with Kevin in and of himself, and they've kind of invested back in us. Um, So, you know, where it makes sense from a strategic partnership standpoint, the the, the 35 Ventures ecosystem is kind of feeding itself in a lot of those ways. And we're really looking for those opportunities where, okay, A, where can we make the most impact and the most difference? And B, where are we starting to see things picking up real legs and real energy that makes sense for our business so that we can focus on those things and focus on entering the metaverse or entering in this new space with partners that we already know and trust and love. Right. That's well said. And it's almost uh, the way I'm thinking of it, as you describe it, is you've got this really nice virtuous circle mm-hmm. of learning which fuels each part of the business in different ways. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, I know and again, there's a direct to consumer aspect of that through boredom as well, which is really exciting because then we're taking what we're learning and just like 
Getting right. you, have, you have your own laboratory for yeah. testing a lot of these mm -hmm. uh, ideas and um, uh, propositions, which is really quite helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so no, that's, that's, that's an interesting way of thinking about how you've structured everything. Um, one more um, question before we wrap up with our last segment. Um, what media businesses do you admire these days mm -hmm. beyond, beyond 35 ventures in your own work? But what, what's kind of an inspiration to you and, and your team? That's such an awesome question. Um, you know, it's interesting because when I think about sort of what I'm reading and what I'm engaging with, um, I think about sort of the way that, and again, like I don't think a lot of people are, when they're talking about innovation, like not a lot of people are thinking about places like the New York Times. But the reality is, is that the New York Times understands what their bread and butter is. They understand what their audience segments are and they understand who's going to pay for what. Um, and the way that they've been able to build that business and hold steady to that business, mm -hmm. I think is really admirable to me. Like, for example, I'm maybe not somebody that would necessarily be like, you know what, I need to pay for a print subscription to the New York Times or a print and digital subscription. I'm not somebody that does a crossword. I am somebody who wants access to the cooking app. Um, so I'm paying for that. You know what I mean? Like they've built their products really thoughtfully and probably really slowly. And I'm sure internally, like there's probably a million employees there who are like, can we just move faster? Yeah. But they've been able to do so in a really interesting and measured way, which I think, um, you know, kind of balances against sort of the buzzfeeds of the world where it's like move fast, break things, try to go into a whole bunch of different money-making opportunities that never quite come to fruition. No mm -hmm. offense to BuzzFeed, they're doing very well. They don't, right. they don't care about my criticism. Yeah. Um, a public company now. Yeah, yeah, a public company now. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of that laundry's being, being, dirty laundry's being yeah. aired out now as well, I think from, from former employees and people who helped build that business, which like, yeah. I pay attention to a lot of that stuff. Um, another, another, again, I think you're going to ask, this is going to dovetail into what you're about to ask. Okay, about. cool. That's fine. Um, but I love, um, the information. Mm -hmm. I think the reporting that they're doing is really incredible. I think for a subscription product, it's again, just really solid and really interesting. And I think they've got an innovative voice in the space. Nice. All right. Well then you, you teed, you teed this up then. Um, you obviously need to stay on top of lots of things for the job that you have as a marketing mm -hmm. officer, as a trusted advisor to Rich and Kevin, uh, as someone who's leading a team of young people and you're trying to suss out what's happening with the new technology. What are you reading and listening to other than the two examples you just cited mm -hmm. um, day to day or like, are you, are you into Twitter or do you listen to podcasts? Like yeah. what's, my, what's keeping you smart? My main news funnel is Twitter for yeah. sure. Um, has been for a very long time, probably will be for the foreseeable future. Um, I find that I usually, I usually know what's going on from a breaking news standpoint. And from a, again, like it is a specific segment of people. So you have to take it with a grain of salt, but from a sort of consumer reaction standpoint, like what people are loving and what people are hating on, um, comes through very easily and very quickly on Twitter in a very digestible way. Mm -hmm. And again, like I can go follow all of the news sites in the world and go to their websites whenever I want and try to deep dive into content as much as I want. But the reality is, is that, you know, outside of app notifications on my phone, Twitter is going to be the number one place I'm going to find out something's happening very quickly. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, and the other thing that I've uh, come to love and use quite a bit on Twitter, which I've mentioned before on this podcast, but I'll say one more time, is I make lists based mm -hmm. on topics. So I've, I have an NFT Twitter list right now. Mm -hmm. I've got digital investing Twitter lists. I've got sports biz Twitter lists. I've got music 
Twitter lists. And that way, when I wanted to survey a certain category, yeah. like what's going on with all the NFT chatter day, I'll just literally swipe left there, my NFT, and I follow the you know, Dapper Labs and the Novogratz's and the Gary Vaynerchuk's and people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really simple way of curating information. And I'm um, so I'm with you on that. I, I, I would have the same answer. Yeah. Um, okay. And you've already kind of sprinkled a, a bunch of wisdom throughout your comments uh, about career stuff, but on, on a, a more pointed question about career advice, mm-hmm. we have a lot of young people listening, many involved with the program, or maybe in the future involved in the program, who are either just building, starting to build their careers in the sports business, or maybe they've been working in it a little while and they're thinking about where they may go with the careers. Mm-hmm. What kind of career, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what career advice might you offer young people circa mm-hmm. the beginning of 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two main things that stick out to me and I think have been really helpful in my own career. One is be really honest with yourself about what you know and what you don't know and what your skill sets are. Um, I think, especially as a young person, the temptation to be extremely confident and to prove yourself and to be like, I'm coming to the table with all the right ideas and all the solutions and I can help you build your business. And I can help you do all these things is so strong. Um, but when you're having a conversation with somebody who's an executive or you're having a conversation as an intern or like, you know, all of these things, like you also have to balance the fact that if you're presenting 10 ideas that you're really excited about, they've probably already tried nine of them, or there's a reason they didn't try nine of them. And there's, you know, there's all of these insights that you might not have and all of this institutional knowledge that you don't have. Um, So really taking time to do a lot of listening and do a lot of learning about the conversations that are happening around you. And also asking people questions when you don't know something, not pretending like you know something that you don't know. Um, I think even, and that's advice that I would give any, any executive too. Like, don't come to the table pretending that you know everything. Like if you think you're the smartest person in the room every time, you're not the right rooms. Um, so I think that's one piece, just like constantly be learning and constantly be, you know, tempering yourself on like, okay, here's where I can be really useful. And here's where I would like your insight to, to give to me. Um, and then the other thing is like, don't be scared if your roadmap doesn't turn out like you expected it. Um, you know, you commented on this earlier, I think before we started the recording, but I have a master's degree in philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, so maybe the first in the history of the cusp show. And as I said, that could be a whole nother podcast and we can talk about philosophy. Yeah. So, you know, when I have conversations with college students in classes, sometimes I think that can be scary for people to hear because they want to understand how their sports business degree can get them to where I am or beyond where I am in my career. Um, and then some people see it and they're like, that's really reassuring. I'm not stuck to the thing that I'm studying and it's okay if I go other places. Mm -hmm. Um, I really thought I was going to be a professor. I really thought I was going to teach philosophy. I thought I was going to write papers and books and run around doing conferences and all of these kinds of things. (laughs) And that is not what happened with my life. And it's an incredible blessing. And I've gotten to do so much cool shit. Um, But I would be lying to you if I said I planned any of it. I worked hard for all of it, but I also got incredibly lucky. I met a lot of the right people along the way. I think I made some very good decisions, but again, there were a lot of twists and turns. And I think not being afraid of of that, but not looking like what you thought it was going to be is huge. Oh man, I really appreciate those comments. We've been doing the show, as I mentioned to you, for six years, and we've been asking this question for almost six years. And one reason I wanted to start asking it in the beginning was... um, I've done a lot of work on career advising mm-hmm. uh, in and around the program and other stuff I've done. 
And I, I try to impress upon everybody, there's no roadmap you're gonna write that's gonna play mm -hmm. out. If you listen to people's stories, including your own, there's a lot of randomness and serendipity. Yep. And everybody has an example. And if we were to go back and review all the answers we've gotten over six years, that would be proven a uh, hundred times over. Um, the reality is that you have to just go out and see how things go. And as Robert Frost said, way leads on to way. And that's kind of how it goes. And you do have to be find a, a way to be okay with that, yep. even though you want to have it planned out, especially when you're younger. Totally. And uh, then when you look back, you know, a, a certain number of years later, you have to be okay with the fact that, you know what, no one cares what you think about Wittgenstein's investigation. <laughs> oh, classic. That's great. Um, Sarah, what an enjoyable conversation. Thank you so much. Um, before we wrap up, why don't you just do one more quick around the horn review of how people can check out 35 Ventures? I know you've got a bunch of things to point to. Yes, absolutely. Um, you can check out everything that we're doing at 35 Ventures on our website, 35ventures.com. Um, would absolutely love your audience to check out everything that I mentioned on the boardroom side, where you can understand a lot more about the business context of what we're doing. Um, and that's boardroom.tv. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast there. You can sign up for our newsletters there. Everything that's on that site is free for you to consume. So very much would appreciate everybody checking that out. Oh, that's awesome. And how about you on Twitter? What's your, what's your Twitter handle? I am at Flynn was like on Twitter. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Feel free to give me a follow if um, you care about, about the sports business, if you care about the WNBA and women's sports in particular. Sometimes I have some spicy takes. <laughs> nice. Appreciate that. Well, everybody, we've been listening to Sarah Flynn, who's the chief marketing officer of 35 Ventures. What an interesting career she's had starting in the music after getting her master's in philosophy, getting into the music business early years of digital and digital music, and then getting into Rock Nation and pivoting into sports in such an interesting way. And now at one of the, and I'm not just saying this because I'm finishing this conversation with you, but I think one of the more interesting media businesses in the sports world right now, as we end 2021 and go into 2022, I can't wait to see where you guys go with this. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway for uh, everybody associated with our program at Columbia, again, existing students, alumni, prospective students, is that there's this amazing asset out there that many people didn't know about necessarily, uh, Boardroom, boardroom.tv, one last time, uh, with lots of really good stuff in there. When you check it out, I think you'll be really impressed with what you'll find, and it could be very, very helpful as you hopefully follow Sarah's advice and try to keep educating yourself to get smarter. Sarah, thanks again for visiting. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening to this show and we'll see everybody next time on the next episode. 